morning, Orchard Grove. This is a Bible that my grandfather carried in his pocket on 58 bombing missions in the Pacific Theater in World War II. I never heard my grandfather speak much about his time in the war or any of those missions, but I do remember him saying how grateful he was that he was able to be honorably discharged from service the week before the Korean War started. He was thankful because many of the young men that went off on those 58 bombing missions that he went on didn't come back. My father was a veteran of the Vietnam War, and though he did not lose life or limb, he lost a lot of his soul and a lot of his sanity, struggling with years of post-traumatic stress disorder. And this Memorial Day is not just about our past, it's also about our present for our family. Our daughter is a member of the United States Marine Corps, and she's currently... She's currently actively preparing to be on her first deployment in a few weeks for nine months, putting herself with other men and women between potential danger, potential threat, potential invasion of our allies. For all those who have served for all those who serve, not just within our military branches, but as first responders, whether EMT, whether fire department, police, we owe a debt of gratitude and a moment to recognize and be thankful for their service, because day after day, they do it and often goes unnoticed unthanked, unappreciated. And so Memorial Day is that opportunity for us to do that. But we want to do more than just remember today. We have a member of our congregation, a veteran of our congregation, Anthony Munifo, who has an organization called Operation, or the Heroes Operation. He can't be here today because he and his organization are in a Memorial Day parade in Hart, Michigan today, but they have a big event coming up that helps them show appreciation to and encouragement of service members, first responders, military veterans, and their families, and helps meet their needs throughout the year, not just on Memorial Day. We want to show you a video of some of what they're doing as a part of our Memorial Day remembrance this morning.
my, my wildest dreams. Just, I'm just, you know, I'm impressed that they think of us veterans like that. A lot of my brothers and sisters come back from Vietnam and they didn't get a thank you or nothing. So many people willing to come out and give their time. If you'd like to volunteer with or support what Anthony and his organization are doing, you can go to their website and find out more information about that. Their big uh, On the Dunes event is coming up this summer, I think next month, and so there's still time to give towards that or to even volunteer in that event out there at uh, the Silver Lake Sand Dunes, and we want to encourage you to be a part of that. This morning, if you, whether in peacetime or war, are a veteran of our military, if you were a police officer, firefighter, or an EMT, would you stand this morning and remain standing for a moment? And as you stand, if, if you're near one of these that are standing, would you maybe reach toward them, take their hand, put a hand on their shoulder as we pray for those that these represent, for the families that are represented here, and the families of those who don't have their loved one able to stand today. Creator God, who has loved us, not from a distance, but in the midst of our hurt and our pain, and took on our pain and gave life that we might have life. We pause today and this weekend to remember those who, in a similar way, serve who get involved, who step between harm and in the process put themselves at risk. We thank you for those that we can celebrate here today and for their families. But God, we think of those that did not come home, whose families have an ache and a hurt and an emptiness today and every day. We pray for their comfort, and we pray that they might know our 
appreciation today. For those who continue to serve, we pray that you would protect them, watch over them, not just in body and physical, but in their emotions and in their minds and in their relationships. The brokenness and the trauma that is experienced within these lives is significant. Help us, dear God, to be a part of giving to those that serve these that serve us. Help us to be a part of a wave of gratitude and encouragement for these and their families. Thank you for Anthony and what he is doing. And we pray, dear God, that you would just expand their reach to bless more this year. Continue to help us to grow in this service. In Jesus' name, amen. So it's been quite a May. We had Memorial, I'm sorry, Mother's Day a few, few weeks ago. We had the Katinas on this very stage last week. I still feel some of their energy radiating from this wood below me. We have a Memorial Day weekend right now and all of our attention is focused there. Does anybody remember what Pastor Chris has been talking about? Exodus. Yeah, give yourself a little pat on the back for that. We've been talking about Exodus, this dramatic narrative, the second book of the Bible where God is concerned for the Hebrew people, these descendants of Abraham, and he sends a very hesitant leader named Moses to be able to go into this empire of Egypt where the Hebrew people are enslaved and to be able to lead them out towards a land promised generations ago to their forefather Abraham, to be able to repurpose them, to give them a new identity and to help them to see themselves not as slaves, but to see themselves as a part of what God desires to do for all of creation, all of the world. It's this dramatic story. And the last time that Pastor Chris was here teaching, he spoke from Exodus chapter 20, from the Ten Commandments. And those we all kind of recognize, and those are all very important throughout history and throughout our judicial system, and we understand those Ten Commandments. But then when you go on from Exodus chapter 20's telling of the Ten Commandments, you get into more commandments. Exodus chapter 20 ends with additional commands. And then you get into Exodus chapter 21 and 22 and 23 and 24 and 25 and 26, and it's all these other commands. As you go on from Exodus into Leviticus and Numbers and then to Deuteronomy, which is a retelling of all of this law, it's the start of the law of Moses. 613 commands. You go from 10 to 603 more, and we wonder why. Like the Ten Commandments are pretty 
basic, right? I mean, they're, they're simple. They're easy to memorize. Our elementary school, school children can memorize those 10 and to know those 10 pretty easily. Why do we need all these other commandments? Because this very cool, very interesting, very dramatic narrative of God all of a sudden becomes very dogmatic. And this God who was concerned with rescue now seems overly concerned with rules. Why? The reason is us. We make it complicated. Yes, those 10 are very easy and understandable. But human nature is to look for the extent of how that law applies. The limits. The loopholes. Today we're honoring veterans, we're honoring those who have served and paid the ultimate price, and among those we're talking about first responders. We all want fire departments in case we need a firefighter to help us. And we all want good roads for them to be able to get to us, to be able to take care of that. And if somebody wants to take from us, we want somebody to be able to enforce those Ten Commandments about not stealing and taking from us. And we all agree that we should bear a common cost in being able to provide those services, also known as taxes. Well, now I'm just meddling. We all agree that we should have some shared cost in providing those services of which we all desire and want. But then how far does that go? Do you know that we talk about how complicated the law of Moses is with 613 commands? The US tax code stands over 6,900 pages. The entire King James Version of the Bible contains less than 800,000 words. The US tax code is more than 10 million words. Why? Because we look for the exception. We look for the loophole. We look for the extent of the limit of how much this law actually applies or infringes upon me and what are the ways around it. And every time somebody hears a law within their life, they're looking at where does that law end for me and how can I circumnavigate it? How can I get around it? How can I do less? Or how can I get away with more? That's why we have law after law after law after law after law because we're always looking for our way out from under the law or away from that responsibility. And you say, well, why does it really matter anyway? We follow Jesus, not Moses. Why do I have to, why do I have to think about this? Because Jesus said he didn't come to do away with the law. And when the apostles who were dedicated to following after Jesus wrestled with this, they didn't do away with the law. And the early church didn't do away with the law. And the birth of the modern church didn't do away with the law. 
We continue to hold on to it because it is foundational and central to our faith and our life and our civil responsibility to one another. And so Pastor Chris wants us to just rest here, not push on into other parts of Exodus and back to the narrative. He wants us to wrestle with the law for a little while. And he's gonna come back and talk about the law and Jesus and the law and the apostles and the early church. But today we're gonna to talk about the law and that first group that really kind of follows after, and that's the law and the prophets. For the prophets, the law was not that complicated. See, after Moses comes Joshua. Joshua is really Moses 2.0. He continues the work of what leading the people of, uh, of God into the promised land. And then after Joshua, there's not really any strong, central, earthly leader. Everybody's supposed to live within the confines of the law and the rule of God within their lives and in treatment of one another. But every so often they would step out of it and expose themselves to harm. They would expose themselves to the world around them, away from the teachings of God and how they were supposed to treat each other. And the book of Judges says that everybody did what was right in their own eyes. And from time to time, God would have to rise up a judge to kind of deliver them and rescue them from the trouble that they had gotten themselves into and to remind them of the people that they're supposed to be. Those were the judges. And the last of the judges was the first of the prophets, Samuel. Under Samuel's leadership, the people of God said they no longer wanted a theocracy. They no longer wanted the rule of God over them. They wanted a, monarch, a monarchy. They wanted the rule of man over them. And that exchange led to this era of the prophets who became the spiritual backbone during the era of the kings of the people of God, of the Hebrew people. And the prophets were there not to foretell the future, which is what we think of when we hear the word prophet that they tell what's going to happen. The prophets were there to remind them of their origins, to remind them what was true, to remind them of the partnership they were supposed to have with God in bringing an expansive good to all creation. And so for the prophets, the law wasn't complicated. I think that the most wonderful summary of all of the prophets is within Micah chapter 6, verse 8. It says, He has shown you, O man, O humanity, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. What is God looking for out of 613 laws? He's looking for us to be a part of a movement of justice, to act justly. It's not just about fairness. It's about making things right. When that, motive, that moment happens where you see something that's wrong, something that's broken, something that's exploitative, something that's making a victim of somebody else or some other group and saying, that's not the way it should be. And entering into that hurt, into that pain, into those lives, not as a hero, first as a listener. 
so that you can be a learner. Demonstrating love and compassion in that relationship so that eventually you are trusted as an ally and grow, grow then to be an advocate for change. We want to rush in quickly as, with the solutions and to be the hero and to be the advocates, but it starts first by being a listener, by being in relationship with hurt, being able to walk alongside of it and exposing yourself sometimes to the same hurt that these individuals suffer from. And in the process, earning trust to be their advocate because you understand and you're ready to walk alongside of them further to be their voice. Not rushing in to be the hero, but rushing in to love. I want to tell you a couple of stories. I'm not going to tell you their names because I did not speak to them in advance to get their permission to share this, and they might be embarrassed by me sharing these things. But they're members of Orchard Grove that I think are just demonstrating acting justly in very simple ways. We have a couple of men in this church who are champions for the Focus Hope ministry that we support on a monthly basis, taking food boxes into um, more impoverished senior living environments throughout the greater Detroit metropolitan area. And they help lead groups of people week in, week out. But it's not just about the service project because justice is beyond the service project. Service projects might lead to justice. And that's what's happened multiple times. For in delivering these food boxes, they knock on a door that sounds very empty and hollow on the other side. And when an elderly individual steps out and they can see into the room that they have nothing except bare linoleum floors, not a couch, not a rug, not an end table, not a TV, not a bed. And they say, here's your food. Do you need some furniture? If you would, let me come back and we'll bring you a bed if you're interested. Let me come back and we'll see if we can find you a rug or a couch. Do you have any, any other needs that we might be able to help you with? And because of the relationship that we have of bringing the food boxes into the, the homes, there's that opportunity to take it a step further and to go a little bit further. And I just think that that's justice on some level. There's a situation that happened here in this room not too long ago. I learned about it a couple weeks ago. One of our members fell, and another member saw them fall and rushed to be near them and checked them out, make sure that they were all right, found out that they had a medical condition and recently had been given some medical equipment that they didn't quite understand how to use and this individual took time to go to their home that day, help them understand what they were looking at and what they had, and went back several more times in the next week to be able to make sure that they were still doing it correctly, still monitoring their physical needs properly. 
and helping them to understand where all the instructions were super tiny. She took time to write them out largely, clearly, and not in doctor language, but in regular people language, what that meant and how to know when they were in harm or whether they were in good shape. Justice. Took a moment for this individual to do that. But the real justice came by showing up again and again and again. God wants us to get involved. For God so loved the world, he got involved. And he wants us to be people who get involved in bringing right and goodness and order to this world. Act justly. Love mercy, the prophet Micah said. Mercy is one of those words that we recognize within church and we sing about it, but it's very hard for us sometimes to really define what mercy is. You know agape, the perfect, complete, wonderful, unconditional love of God toward us that God asks us to demonstrate to this world? Agape is really easy to do for the lovable. But there are some people that are rude, that are difficult, that are angry and bitter and hurtful and spiteful and ungrateful. And they test us. You may have come to church with them today. <laughs> Mercy is agape when tested. When they've disappointed you, when they've hurt you, when they've attacked you, when they've stabbed you in the back, when they've deserted you, when they've abandoned you, when they've abused you, mercy is agape even then. And God says, love mercy. Why? Because he's merciful to us. Lest we forget, we too are the difficult people. We sing about amazing grace, and rightfully so. What God did for us through Christ Jesus, even though we were sinners and rebellious in nature, and entered us into a relationship with him, grace. But mercy keeps us in relationship with God. The prophet Jeremiah says that God's mercy is new every morning, which means we start off with God saying, even though you were difficult yesterday, even though you were ungrateful yesterday, even though you were hurtful yesterday and spiteful and abusive and arrogant yesterday, I love you still. That's the mercy of God. And the challenge for us then is to be then merciful to those people day after day after day. 
Now, mercy is not permission for those individuals to continue to attack us. It is not permission for their abuse. Maybe someone else and their grace will have to break through to those individuals. But we will not let their abuse cause us to abuse back. We will not allow their attack to cause us to attack back. We will not allow their ungrateful spitefulness, rudeness, uh, to bring that out of us towards them. We will be merciful towards them as God has been merciful to us. That's to love mercy. I don't know if any of you watch uh, Ted Lasso. If you don't, you're missing something. Though, again, the disclaimer, the views and opinions of all the people involved in the making of the show and the show itself are not necessarily the views and opinions of Pastor Chris or Orchard Grove Community Church. <laughs> that said, so much good stuff in there. The latest episode had a young man who's been traumatized by an abusive father. And Lasso says to this young man, might be time to forgive him. And the guy says, I can't give him that. And Coach Lasso says, oh no, that's what you give yourself. You take away their hurt over you with that forgiveness. And you free yourself to be the person that God created you to be, not continually defined by their hurt and their spitefulness and their abuse. I don't know that there's anything more transformative to your faith than being a person of justice and a person who learns to love mercy. And I think that if there were more people who walked into spaces with justice and mercy, there'd be less hesitation about religion in the public sphere. Which brings us to the Third part, to walk humbly with your God. To be people who learn to keep in step with the Spirit's prompting. To bring the character and conduct of Christ within every place that we go. That's bringing justice. That's bringing mercy. But the key to that last part is humility. Because there are amazing people doing amazing things. And there are people who start off with the right mindset doing amazing things of justice and offering great mercy within our world. But then they lose humility and it sours quickly. Humility is what preserves that to be an ongoing positive influence. Without humility, you're looking at yourself as the gift rather than the channel of the gift. And that's what we've got to be within this world. The law, 613 commandments, is all about justice. 
all about not getting ahead at the expense of others and being able to see others in need and who are exploited and victimized and bringing them up as well. The law is about mercy and grace and love and the expression of God to this world because that's what brings great change and goodness in ever-expanding circles within this world. The law is about us staying humble before an almighty God who is the source of all of that grace, who is the source of all of that mercy, who is the source of all that goodness for the world so that we can be the channels of that going forward. Act justly. Love mercy. Walk humbly with your God. That's how the prophets saw the law. That's how we should see the law. And when we do, we open up opportunity for God to get glory. Father God, we thank you so much for your word. It is not ancient in a way that doesn't relate to our modern world or lives or dilemmas. It's ancient wisdom that still rings true today if we would just open ourselves up to it. We would wrestle with it and if we would live it. How much better would this world be? How much better would our lives be with more justice and mercy? and humility. God, we come into this place to celebrate you, but when we go out of this place, let us be expressions of your justice and mercy and humility everywhere we go. We thank you for Pastor Chris and Vicki who continue to challenge us to be this kind of people. We pray your healing upon Pastor Chris and your blessing in his life as he continues to lead us in this understanding so that we might be a part of what you intended from the beginning, the ever-expansion of goodness throughout this creation into every life. For your glory alone we pray. Amen. Happy Sunday, Orchard Grove. <laughs>